Hey, this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. excited to share with you today's word because it is the the finale of this sermon series and I, I'm excited in one hand I'm excited that we're here but I'm also kind of sad because there's so much that we couldn't really cover in six weeks the story of Elijah is so powerful and in fact today I just can't fit it all in so what I'm doing is I'm trying to narrow down on something that we can walk away with today and the thing that we want to walk away with is this God is victorious God is victorious, and if you are in Christ, you are victorious as well. You will face what you may seem to deem defeats in your life, but if you are in Christ, you are still victorious. You may face tragedy in your life that is inexplainable or, or, or tragedy in your life that you think, how in the world could this be of God, or how can this be victorious in this moment? And, and I don't want you to hear what I'm saying, that God is victorious, and even in those things, you're, you're victorious, and just kind of think of it's no big deal, because it's, it's, it is a big deal. It is hard to go through things that are more than we can handle. It's hard to go through cancer. It's hard to go through learn, le- losing a loved one. It's hard to go through divorce. It's hard to go through severed relationships. It's, hard, it's even hard just to go through when a friend betrays you, or somebody gossips about you, or whatever it may be. Those are difficult things. But it doesn't change the fact that you are victorious in Christ because Jesus went to the cross and he conquered the ultimate enemy in our lives so that we don't have to suffer our payment for sin and we don't have to feel the full weight of death. Yes, we will die, but Jesus died and rose again. I I love that phrase, Jesus died and rose again. That's one of the oldest, if not the oldest, and one of the shortest, if not the shortest, creeds of the Christian faith. And it reminds us, Jesus died and rose again, and the same thing is true for us. Jesus died and rose again. We will die, and we will rise again. We are victorious. We are victorious. And so today, um, 1 Kings chapter 18, is and ni- or 19 is where we're looking today. But I, I left out some tidbits from last week because I just couldn't get to them. So just to kind of catch everyone up, Elijah came out of the block from nowhere. It was a nobody from nowhere. He told the king it's not going to rain. It didn't rain for a long time. Elijah went to uh, be fed by ravens, which are birds. He got fed by birds, and he drank from a brook, and that brook finally dried up because, guess what? It didn't rain. So he had to go somewhere else, and he went to a widow and her son, the one son, and he was there, and he said, I need you to feed me. She says, all I have is some flour and a little bit of oil. He goes, feed me first, and God will take care of you. Sounds kind of weird, but it worked out for both of them. However, the widow's son died. Talk about the ups and downs of obeying God. It's like, we're doing everything you want us to do. And my son dies? What the heck? And she was blaming Elijah. Elijah, I think, is amazing. Not for getting defensive right there, because I've been like, listen here, lady. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't ask to do this. But he didn't. He went and he prayed, and he powerfully prayed in the presence of God, and God brought that son back to life. The highs of obeying God, the ups and the downs. And then Elijah gets a word from the Lord, and he has to go back to the king and, and tell them, 
hey, um, I need you to do these sacrifices. We're going to go and prove whose God is really God. And if Baal is God, then follow him. And if God is the Lord of Israel, then follow him. And so they set up these sacrifices and the prophets of Baal, which were like 450, and there's another 400 prophets from somewhere too, like 850 people. And no, it was just Elijah all by himself. You ever felt like you've been alone in life before? That you were the only one? Yep, just you? Okay, all right, there we go. We got some hands raised. And so um, Elijah was alone. He was standing for God and, and he saw and experienced that the Baals were not answering their people and they were doing all kinds of stuff. They were crying out in desperation. They were cutting themselves. They were mutilating themselves. And it was really a sad scene because they were just giving all they had and they were greeted with silence from their God. And the silence was deafening. And then Elijah prepares the sacrifices. He has them go several times just dump water, so much water that it filled the, the moat, the, the trenches around the, uh, the, fire, uh, the, the sacrifice. And then Elijah prays and he says, Father, show them, God in heaven, show them that you're the God so that they will turn their hearts to you. And again, his prayer is very God-centered. It's not about, hey, I'm out here on a limb. Can you help me out here? Because if this does, I'm going to have egg on my face. Actually, worse than that, they're going to kill me if this doesn't work out. He didn't have any of that. He said, God, I want them to know that you're turning their hearts back to you. And again, I'm like, Elijah, that's pretty awesome, man. Because I would have been worried about Daniel. And he's wanting them to turn to God. He's, and he's telling them, this is all happening because you've removed your worship from God and you've worshiped these false gods. And so Elijah calls down fire or God answers his prayer. God God connects with authentic, real prayers that glorify Him, that are for the good of the people. He doesn't answer and glorify those prayers that are selfish. I don't mean, it's, it's good to pray selfish in some ways, like, Lord, I need your help. That's, that's not really selfish, but it's not, the selfish, what I'm talking about is like, when you're just trying to get off of yourself, you're not really worried about people around you. But if you want to be blessed so you can bless others, that's a good prayer. And so that's what Elijah was doing. He was, he was these magnificent prayers. And so God answers that prayer throws down fire from heaven and it just like it sucks up all the water it's just gone and everybody's like oh these are this is this is god and so then elijah does something that's not pc today anyway he has uh orders sent out for all the false prophets to be killed i don't know if that would go over too well right now but that's the way it rolled back then and evidently it needed to happen so they were killed and so now he's says, and, and what we didn't get last week is he said, he sent out a, a, one of his servants to go out and look for rain, and it's like seven times later, he's like, keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, and then finally they saw a cloud, and he said, it's about to rain, go tell them, and then the rain came, and it, the crops happened, and then also, I'm not going to spend much time on this, because I don't understand it, but somehow he pulled up his cloak into his belt, and he runs faster than a guy can go in a chariot, so, I mean, maybe Guinness Book of World Record, we should re- revise who, who's the fastest man on earth. Uh, but that was amazing uh, to, to see that too. But So now the word goes back to the king. Remember the king Ahab is an, a wicked king, right? So the word goes back to him, and he's married to someone more wicked than he, Jezebel. And she is a formidable foe. She's been killing people left and right, especially those who claim God of Israel, the Lord God of Israel. So the word goes back to him, to her, and now we're going to pick up in this moment. All right, good. Whew, that was pretty fast. All right, so before we do that, we talk about who Elijah is. Just remind ourselves this, 
that when we think of prayer uh, in James chapter 5, this is the New Testament speaking about Elijah, says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And this righteous person is someone who's glorifying God and also looking out for the people around them as well. So this glorifies, it's powerful and effective. And it, it talks about Elijah. It said he was just a human being like us, not minimizing who he was. Oh, thanks. We're not minimizing who Elijah was, like he was just an ordinary guy, but we need to kind of maximize who we are in Christ, that he was like us, a man, not God, but a man of God, and like we are men and women of God. And so Elijah was a human being, even as it were, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And then remember, he prayed again, and then it rained. The heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops crops. So don't make Elijah out to be someone that we try to emulate or to become like, or God's not calling you to be the next Elijah. Okay. Amen. 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 God's calling you to be you and the spirit of God, the same one that filled Elijah, the same one that fills Jesus, the same one that filled Peter and John and James and all the followers of Christ fills us to overflowing today. If we will live and walk by his power. So Elijah has this mountaintop experience Huge things happen. And now Ahab, the king, goes and he tells Jezebel everything Elijah had done. This is 1 Kings chapter 19. And how Elijah had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say this. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. So she sends a message, by this time tomorrow, if I don't have you killed like one of them, may the gods just be dealing with me in severe ways. So when she speaks, people listen, or they die. Elijah was afraid, and I think there's good reason for him to be afraid. And he ran for his life. Remember, he's pretty fast. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, and while he, was, and while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness... He came to a broom butt, bush or a, um, a juniper bush, is maybe in your translation. He sat under it and prayed that it might die, that he might die, not the bush, that he might die. And here's what he said. He said, I have had enough. You ever felt that before? Like, I've had enough. Paul in 2 Corinthians kicks off his letters and he says the, the weight of you know, our, our tribulations was so heavy that we despaired even of life. He'd had enough. So he just had this great mountaintop, and now he's like, I've had enough. And he says, take my life. Not, we just say, here's my life, take my life, that will build my life, those, those type of things. That's not what he's saying here. He's like, bring me home, Jesus. I'm, I'm tired of this. Kill me. Let me be done with this. I'd rather you take my life than Jezebel. And then he says, I am no better than my ancestors. So not only is he lamenting the fact that Jezebel's coming after him, but he goes into like this deep depression where he's like, I, I'm terrible. I am not any better than my ancestors. He was a man of incredible faith. God did the supernatural through him. He was ordinary and God did the extraordinary. And now he's on the other side of that mountain and he's like, I've had enough. He's gone from the top of the world to being in the deepest of pits. And so Satan's strategy, a lot of times you can, we can see in these verses, is the same for us. And I'll just hit a few of these. Sometimes we'll have a threatening situation in our life. 
Something feels impossible for us to do, and so he tries to chew or, or chip away at us like that. We'll have the wrong focus in life where we start to look at the size of our problem instead of the size of our God. Fear starts to set in. So instead of having faith in God, we have fear in the enemy or faith in the enemy. Like, they're too strong for me. That's faith in the enemy instead of faith in God. We respond sometimes by retreating from the problems and running away from them. Oh, man, I felt like running away so many times in my life from all kinds of situations. And that's what Satan wants you to think of. In fact, from Jezreel, which is where Elijah was, to Beersheba, he went 115 miles to get away from Jezebel. It's a long time. It's not so much if we can take a train, right? But he, he had to go a different route, a different way. Also, there's isolation. Remember, he, he says here in the verse that he, he left his servant in this place and then he went off by himself. How many times do you just want to get away and just be alone? I just need some alone time just to get away. But that alone time isn't to recharge. It's almost just to kind of, kind of give up. Instead of recharging, maybe you're resigning. We have the wrong perspective in life where we start to think, I'm no better than my ancestors. And then depression or defeat sets in. That's what Satan loves to do with you. Instead of you reminding yourself that you are victorious in Christ, he likes to give you all these reasons why you're not, why you're defeated. But check this out. Moses wanted to quit. David wanted to quit. And even Jonah wanted to quit, which he was a little easier to see than the other ones maybe. But, but Paul, Jonah, man, I like Jonah. So Paul wanted to quit as well. There were all times that people got to points in their ministry where they felt just it was, it was over. And what Elijah did, and you can write this down, I don't have points to give you today or an outline, but what Elijah did is he walked by his soul and not by the Spirit. I think that's what I would like you to take away today. That don't walk by your soul, but walk by your Spirit. What I mean by that is your soul is like this passionate part about who you are. And that's great. Some of us are more passionate than others and more driven than others, and, and some of us are, are less. But what we all have equal measure of or equal access to is the Spirit of God. Now, we'll, we'll walk in a different measure based on our faith and how we're, our, our closeness, our intimacy is with God. We'll walk that out differently in different measure, but we have the same access to the fullness of who God is. So don't walk by your soul, but walk by the Spirit of God. Elijah had emotional exhaustion. He, he'd seen the highest of highs, and he was probably worn out. He had emotional or physical, excuse me, emotional exhaustion, physical exhaustion, and he led to spiritual burnout. He goes from the mountaintop of victory to the valley of depression. Uh, some quick facts about depression, and of course this isn't a, a comprehensive list or uh, a way to try to dismiss depression because I realize it's a complicated thing, but there are some times that we can actually walk ourselves into depression. Sometimes it's happening in our brains. There's synapses, I think is what they are, whatever they are, but, but there's things that are happening that we need help with medicinally. But sometimes we can just, by the, what we believe and what we're saying about ourselves, we can walk ourselves into defeat and into a depressive mindset or even depression itself. So up to one, excuse me, one in five people will experience depression in, their, in some stage in their life. Their stress and financial difficult, difficulties contribute to a high depression rate. Unemployment, relationship breakdown, loss of health, grief, gambling, substance abuse, addictions. Check this out. Guilt 
If you can't forgive yourself, that will keep you in a depressed mindset. A distorted perspective on how life ought to treat us. Kind of a victim mentality instead of a victor. And a post-adrenaline syndrome, which is like after we've exerted all of our energies, we just kind of crash. It can lead us to depression. I know one of the kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's not a joke really, it's more of this kind of make light of, but a lot of pastors, I, mean, I know this from experience too, a lot of pastors talk about Monday morning struggles because they just prepare for Sunday and they like give, and then Monday they're like, oh, I'm just tired, you know? And so I'm sure in your jobs, your work's like, you're, you know, whatever you're doing, in your family at home, you just give all that you have, and then there's like a crash afterwards. So what do you do? Here's what you don't do first. Don't go to people who are crashing and say, <laughs> don't go to people who's crashed and say, where's your faith? That doesn't help. Don't go to them and say, this is all for the best what you're going through. It's good that you're going through this thing. Because it obviously isn't good that they're going through something tragic. Definitely don't tell people who are physically suffering to pull yourself together. You know why? It's impossible. They can't do it. <laughs> so don't tell them to do it. It's like telling me to breathe underwater. I can only do that in my dreams. That was uh, from a reference a few weeks ago. Yeah. And don't say this too. And that, this one kind of took me off guard because I've said this before. And maybe you've said this too. When someone's going through this, don't just come up to them and say, I know how you feel. The best thing to do is just put your arms around them and say, I'm here for you. I am sorry. This is so hard. What did God do to deal with Elijah? How did he go to him? And we get this in the next verse in, in verse 5 of chapter 19 God dealt with Elijah this way he said he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep this is Elijah now, all at once an angel touched Elijah and said get up and eat so Elijah looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals which how did it get there that's a God thing and a jar of water and he ate and he drank and then he did what he lay down again the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and he said, get up, Elijah, and eat, for your journey is too much for you. So Elijah got up and he ate and he drank and he was strengthened by that food. And he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So God didn't lecture him. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't put him in time out. What he went to him is he said, I want you to go to sleep. He, like put him, he put the sleeper hold on him, and he put him to sleep. He says, eat something and rest. You're worn out. Of course you're exhausted. Look at what I've done through you. Look at the energy you've expended. Rest. So what happens when you don't get adequate rest in life? You get cranky. You mess up. You're weak. You're temperamental. I mean, I'm not. You are. <laughs> but that's, that's who we are when we're tired, right? Those are the things. We're really weak in those moments. We can make some bad decisions. And so what we need to do is get rest for our bodies physically. He said, lie down under the tree. And he, he, he laid down. He went to sleep. He woke up and then he fed him. He said, you need to eat. You need to sleep. You need to eat. Elijah was exhausted. He was hungry. He hadn't eaten in days and he had run through the desert. 115 miles, he was physically depleted. Emotionally, physically, he was vulnerable. 
He was susceptible. So what did God do? He fed him. He rested him. And then he spoke to him. He took care of those base needs first, and then he spoke to him. He was healthy in all three areas, and then God was able to speak to him. He was able to be ministered to physically and emotionally, and then physically, which comes down in verse 9. So after he'd been fed and rested, there he went to a cave. He goes on the journey. Uh, God says, get up and go. And this is really important, too. When God says, get up and go, or to go eat or to rest, he obeyed, didn't he? So this whole series is the ups and downs of what? Obeying God. Not the ups and downs of letting God do what he wants to with our life, but obeying him, actively moving and saying, yes, God, I am following you. I'm going to go where you want me to go. And so he went on the journey. He went into a cave and he spent the night. And then the word of the Lord came to him. And the word was where, excuse me, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now that he was fed and rested and had obeyed God, he was ready to hear from God. And so I'm going to ask you, what, what is God asking you? What are you doing here? Where do you need to be fed? Are you hungry? Are you tired? You know, it may be really good time for you to say, you know what, I need to get right physically with God. And then, physically with myself, you know what I'm saying, right? Physically with myself, get right, so that I can hear a word from God. You're no good. Well, I won't say you're no good. Because sometimes, some of you really impress me. I, I see some of you parents with the little kids. You just run yourself ragged. You're great parents. But you're better and you're more healthy when you're rested and you're well fed. Sometimes we can't be whole, complete, full, until we're whole, complete, and full physically. Well, actually, we can't. Not sometimes. We just can't be that way. The Word of God came to him. And so the question I want you to walk away with is, where am I kind of walking by my soul and not by the Spirit? Where am I depleted in life? And I need God to fill that right there with food. It may be food. It may be just like, I need to get my diet right. I, need, I don't have energy. I don't have these things. I need some medication to help me through uh, these difficult physical things I'm going through. Maybe it's rest. I need, to, I need a day away or two days away. Who can I ask to watch the kids or to take care of my responsibilities so that I can go and find rest? In August, um, well, a couple things are happening in August. Number one, I am thankful uh, to be going on a sabbatical, and uh, it's going to be a time where I'm going to disengage, not, yeah, disengage from the active functions of our church. Uh, Austin's going to be taking over a majority of those things, and I'm hopefully, I'm not hopefully, some of you are going to be taking on more things too in order to help the functions go. But August as a whole for our church is a time of rest. Every year we don't do connect groups, we don't do extracurricular things. I mean, obviously, if you guys want to hang out and do stuff, do that. But as a church, we, simply, we keep it simple. We have church on Sunday. It's a time for us to say, hey, we need to be intentionally restful because September's coming and it's about to get busy again. So we're going to be having that. So where can you find rest in your life? I encourage you to have a daily or a weekly Sabbath. And that means where you can just... A Sabbath isn't just going fishing or going to the mall or doing some, an activity. It, it means that you're spending time with the Lord as well. Though you can do those things, but you do that with God. 
and you just rest in what He's done for you. I'll close with this. God calls us to victory. We are victorious. And there are a couple of verses here to close with. This is in 1 Corinthians when Paul writes this. He says, But thanks be to God, God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So victory isn't something you've earned. It is something you've been what? Given. Who's earned it for you? Jesus. He's earned it. So don't claim that victory wondering if you have it. Because Jesus didn't fail. You have that victory in Christ through Him. So therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Don't run. And I'm not mocking Elijah at all. I mean, I think I probably would have done the same or worse than he. But don't run from your enemies. God, when there's a threat, we don't run from them. We run to God. We don't run from our problems. God is going to work through those issues in our lives. He will, if we will run to Him. And so uh, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always Give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Not by compulsion, but give yourselves work to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Whatever work you do, if you're doing it for the glory of God, it matters. Whether you're taking care of children, whether you're helping people get better health-wise, whether you're teaching them at school, no matter what you're doing, if you're just... Whatever. I, don't, I, don't, I was going to say another job, but I don't want you to think that there's a job that's beneath that I should say. Every job's important. I was going to say, even if you're picking up trash, but picking up trash is good. We need to do that. If you didn't have people to pick up the garbage and take it away, our city would be nasty, right? It's actually a really necessary job for us. So whatever it is you're doing, if you're doing it for the glory of the Lord, is not in vain. And you're not just victorious, but Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, no, in all these things, in every regard, we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. This is an interesting verse. It's not just you're victorious, but you're more than. You're more than. So, you don't walk with your head defeated. You walk with your head up. Right? You sit up straight. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> sit up straight. Hold your head back. Yeah. And realize that you have victory through Christ. The strength of God is with you no matter where you go. If you're obeying God, the ups are going to be a little easier to obey Him. But realize sometimes the higher the ups, the lower the valleys. But God is there with you and you are victorious. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we want to thank You for the victory that You have secured for us, that You are undefeated, that you have never failed, that you are the God who stared death in the face and won. So Lord, we have nothing to be fearful of if our obedience is in you, if our, if our love and, and joy is coming from you, if we are filled with your Spirit, Lord, we have nothing that should ever cause us to walk in defeat. So Lord, we bless you. And I just pray your favor and your blessing over each person here right now. And those who may be watching online, Lord, I just pray your favor over them, that they would find their hope and delight in you, their joy in you, that you would restore relationships, that you would restore the joy of their salvation to their hearts, that you would uh, bring victory in, uh, in their lives in every measure, that they would have true shalom in every facet of their life. So Lord, we bless you and we love you. And we claim victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.